Proverbs 28, verse 13. It says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. And so just the fact that you are willing to, to be honest with that and be real about it, I mean, that's an awesome thing. It's when we hide stuff, right? The Bible says that the light comes in and exposes all darkness. But when darkness hides, it's like cockroaches, you know? You, you, you got your lights on, you don't, there's not a cockroach anywhere, but you turn off, you, you, and hopefully not in this house, but, <laughs> but you know, you walk in a room and you turn on the lights and you see 50 million cockroaches scattered, right? That's the way sin is. Sin hides in the darkness. Satan hides in the darkness and he wants to keep us in the darkness. But when we bring things to the light, it exposes them and it allows the Holy Spirit to work in those situations. When we confess our sins one to another, we find we find healing for that. Turn to uh, Psalm chapter 32. Because again, and that's what shame does, right? Satan wants to make us ashamed and wants us to make us too ashamed to say what our issues are, what our problems are, because as long as we're ashamed, we won't bring it to the light. Right. You said Psalms... Um, 32? So yeah, I noticed like... I, I'm a I'm just I always I don't mind telling what's going on. Yeah. You know, and um I didn't used to be like that, but now I am and a lot of like when I'm at work, I'm I'm noticing I got I have to stop doing it with certain people. But um my coworker said, Yeah, you should stop Because um, I would tell my not a lot of like the testimonies that I'm telling y'all, but stuff that you know mm-hmm. and um she was like, Yeah, don't a lot of people say I need to stop talking so much, which I know. Yeah, I just. How am I putting this? Um, sorry, y'all. No, you good. It's true. I mean, the Bible I says where there where you. there are many words, uh, evil is not far behind. Yeah. You know, I and mean, sometimes, yeah, we, you know, and again, God is a God of self control. Yes. And and he brings us, that's what discipleship is, really. If you're to put it in a nutshell, discipleship is about God teaching us self-control. Yes. Right? Overcoming temptation is about self-control. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is when we're in sin, especially when we've gotten away from our, our parents and we've gotten away from our authority figures or whatever, now we're living without any kind of control. We're, yeah. we're living without any kind of authority structure over us. And now we can live how we want to live, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so God is bringing us back to a point to where now I'm self-controlled because he wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not him forcing me to be, it's me choosing to be. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to be self-controlled. I'm choosing, because before I got saved, I had no self-control. If it was drinkable, if it was smokable, if it was takeable, I, you know, it didn't matter. You know, and then God brings you to that place where you want to be controlled. You want to have that control. You don't want to live like that anymore. And in Psalm 32, verse 1, he says, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now, I don't know if that's how you felt when you when you got baptized and you came out of that baptized. But I remember when, when I came to the Lord and I prayed that God would forgive me of my sins, immediately when I got through praying, I felt washed. I felt like I had a clean slate and I felt like that burden that I was carrying was gone. Yeah. 
And that's the thing with sin is you're, you know, people think that sin is freedom. People think that sin is, you know, uh, being, being free from shackles, but it's all shackles. It's all chains. And they might be made out of silver. They may be made out of gold, but they're still chains. And, and it's a burden that you're carrying in and it's a weight. And in verse 2, he says, How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Look at this in verse 3. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And I know for me, one of the main things before I gave in to the Lord was this crushing weight of guilt. I would sin and like I would wake up the next day and I, I wouldn't even remember what I did sometimes, but I would feel just this crushing weight of guilt. Before and so, or after you got saved? Before. Wow. And so, and that's, those are the things that led me to the Lord and led me to the point. And when I finally confessed it, when I repented of it, when I gave it over to him, that weight was gone. Is that Amy's phone? Oh. Oh, oh, okay. Um, verse 5 so look what he says in verse 5 he says I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin so oh, he says therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him and I, I love this in verse 7. He says, You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. And I remember in the 80s, we used to always sing that song, You are my hiding place. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the beauty of that is in relation to where once, I, once I've come to God and I've, I've, um, I've repented my sins and He washes me and He cleanses me, now He's my hiding place. Now I can come to Him and I can, I can be in His presence. And it's His presence where there's the life and the joy and the peace. Um, the third thing that we do need to do is we need to pray. In uh, Matthew 6, 13, the Lord's Prayer, He said, remember the Lord's Prayer? He says, he, when Jesus was teaching His disciples how to pray, He said, He taught them to pray, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And again, this is a prayer that, that you know, we could always be praying, right? right? Because there's always temptation out there that we're not expecting, that we're not ready for, that we're not waiting for and stuff, but it's ready to pounce on us and stuff. And if I'm, if I'm always seeking the Lord, Lord, open my eyes, help me to see the situations, help me today when I go through my, when I, when I, when I'm at work, when I'm doing my daily thing that I do, Lord, open my eyes when temptation is coming. When the enemy is coming to try to destroy, destroy me, let me see it. Let me know it. Let me understand that it's the enemy, right? Because there are so many subtle things, right? People that we think are friends and they're really not, or people, situations that we think might be good for us and they're not, or, you know, circumstances or whatever and stuff. And so when we're, when we're in that attitude of prayer, Lord, if there's something that this day, you know, just show it to me. Reveal it to me. Let me know if someone's trying to, trying to lie to me or trying to deceive me, right? Discernment. Yes. Exactly. And discernment comes from the Holy Spirit. Yes. And, and so we, we need to be a people of prayer who, who Jesus, 
you know, on the on the night when Jesus was taken, he told his disciples, "Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation." All right? And so it's in, it's it being in that attitude of prayer and being in communion with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit that, that protects us and His Spirit surrounds us and we are in that hiding place. Um, turn to Luke chapter 22. Verse 24. Now this is right before Jesus, this is actually at the Last Supper, right before Jesus was going to be betrayed. In verse 24, he says, And there arose also a dispute among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. Now Jesus is sitting there telling them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And they're talking about who's going to be the greatest among them. Okay, so when Jesus is killed, I'm next in line, right? When Jesus, when Jesus is, is crucified, I'm going to be in charge. So they're, they're, they're in this place where, I mean, imagine Jesus' frustration, right? Jesus knows he's about to be crucified, and all they can think about is who's going to be in charge. Who's going to be the greatest, Verse 25, he says to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way among you. It is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the servant, or must become like the youngest, and the leader like a servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? So in other words, he's saying, the, you know, the one who's being served is the greatest in the eyes of man. But he says, but I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Look what he says next. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Do you see that? He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you, when, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. You see that? So Jesus, again, knowing what's going to happen, he says, Simon, you're fixing to fail. You're going to fall, but I have prayed for you, right? And this is why we pray for one another. This is why, you know, the Lord puts us on each other's hearts sometimes, right? And we need, and again, this is why we need the body of Christ. We need people that we can call on the phone and say, man, I am having a terrible day and I'm being tempted and I need help. And we can pray with each other because prayer, again, strengthens us. It's the tools, the weapons that God has given us. Prayer and the word of God, those two things are what we use to defeat the enemy. Um... And speaking of the Word of God, in verse, um, turn to Ephesians, or in Ephesians 6, it talks about taking up the sword of the Spirit, right? <clears throat> um, so the way that we, turn to Psalm 119, verse 9. So this is how the Word of God works, right? We're faced with temptation, and we want to give into it, but... 
instead of just giving into it, we take scriptures that the Lord has given us on that very thing. Say like if it's you're being tempted to lust, you'll find scriptures against lust, right? So, and, and that's the hard thing, right? And this is the way of escape because I know I used to... I used to have problems with pornography, right? And that's a hard thing to overcome. And the way that I overcame it was by taking scriptures that were against lust. You know, these the people who, you know, adultery, fornication, the people who practice these things will not enter the kingdom of God, right? And I began to meditate on those scriptures. And every time, and, and that's the thing, when you are first tempted, you have a choice right then and there, right? You, It's a split-second choice of whether you're going to give in to that temptation or whether you're going to fight it. And, and, and it's like, so for the longest time, I would fall, and then I would come to the Lord, and I'd be filled with shame and guilt, and I'd pray that God would forgive me, and God would, you know, and that God would give me the power to overcome. And I did that for so long, and finally, I heard God say, I've given you the power to overcome. You just don't want to use it, right? And, and so I would begin to meditate when, whenever... Whenever that would first pop into my mind, I would go to scriptures. And then I would meditate on those scriptures, scriptures that fought against that. And um, I just want to read another one to you that, that, that had really helped me. And uh, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 4, verse uh, 7, when, when Cain was, when God had Cain and Abel make sacrifices to him, right? And God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice. And in verse uh, 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? And this scripture, this next scripture, I meditate over and over whenever I would be tempted with... with um, and again, it, uh, whether I'm tempted by lots of things, I'll come to the scripture. It says, If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you, but you must master it. And so, so many times, I would just, I would just go over the scriptures in my mind. Sin is crouching at my door, and I must master it. Because that's the way sin is. Sin is a cancer. If you don't deal with it, it will spread. And it will destroy you. And that's the problem. So many of us believers are taught that, well, you know, if you fight against sin, that's works. Or whatever, or, or if you if you're trying to overcome it, if you're trying to overcome sin, you're doing it in your own strength, your own flesh, right? Yeah, and it's a lie from Satan. It's a lie from hell, trying to keep us in bondage, trying to keep us in sin. God has given us tools to fight against the enemy. If we don't fight against the enemy, we're not using the tools that He's given us. Now, the tools that he's given us are spiritual tools. They're divinely powerful, and they're to be used in the Spirit, but they are to be used. And if we don't use the weapons that God has given us and we fall, we cannot blame God and say, it's your fault. And so many people, and honestly, uh, again, when, when I had this struggle, I would get mad at God sometimes. I'd be like, God, why are you not delivering me from this? I prayed to you. And I would not pray just that God would forgive me, but I'd, I'd go, God, give me the strength to overcome sin. Give me, give me your grace to, to be. And, and, and it's, again, God finally spoke to me and said, I've given you the tools. You're just not using them. I pray the same thing every yeah. day. <laughs> 
See? And, yeah. and the thing is, is whatever you're dealing with, the situations that you're dealing with, you need to find some scriptures to deal with that. Yes. And you need to meditate on those scriptures. Go over and over and over them with your, in your mind. And you will find, I promise you, you will find that when you are faced with that temptation, the Holy Spirit will speak to you at that moment and say, remember those scriptures. Go to those scriptures, right? And you have at that choice, at that moment, a choice. Do I go to the scriptures or do I go to my sin? Do I indulge the scripture or do I indulge the sin? Do I indulge the flesh or the spirit? And it's, again, a spiritual warfare that we are in. And the more we begin to choose that path of the scripture and fighting against those sins, the stronger we become. I think working towards a positive is also really important. What's yeah. the opposite? So like with pornography, purity, true love yeah. for women as sisters in Christ. Yeah. You know, right. just the whole righteousness. To, Lord, help me to love righteousness. Help me to love yeah. purity. Help me to, you yeah. know, protect women. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So not just working against. Right. You need to fill your mind with where you're headed. That's good. Who do I want to be? That's good. And that's the thing with me. Uh, that's the type of family I was brought up in, you know. My, my, oh my gosh, my dad's, he's fun. But he, he has no respect for women. And a matter of fact, he had a stack of pornography in his closet that as a young person, you know, I found and stuff. And, and so, again, this is something that I can't say, well, my dad was like that, so it's his fault. But it's like, you know what? Now it's my responsibility. You know, what am I going to do? Am I, how am I going to live my life? Am I going to be bound by this? Am I going to be bound by the things that I was taught? Or am I going to be... See, that's the thing. We as believers, we have a chance to say all the generations before us come to a stop right now. All the sin, all the, all the garbage, because my family was mixed up. My family was a mess, right? But it's like, we have a chance to say, you know what? It stops here, and it's not going to the next generation. It's going to stop right here, and that's it. It's over with, right? Like, uh, you know, as your son, I, I see that, like, I've always recognized and been able to acknowledge, like, how much of that that you personally have stopped from yeah. your family line and, and how... Yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks later. <laughs> In Psalm 119, verse 1, um, or verse 9, look at this. It says, How can a young man or a young woman keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Look at this. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So again, you know, a lot of, a lot of believers have no prayer law, life. A lot, of, a lot of Christians never, their, their Bible stays on their shelf and they may bring, their, bring it off the shelf on Sundays to go to church and then they don't even open it anyway. And, and then they want, we wonder why the church is weak. We wonder why the church is ineffective. We wonder why the ch church is, is being mocked by the world because they don't see anything in us, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the, these are the tools that God has given us. And if we do not use the tools, we will not overcome. 
And God, God's heart and his desire is for an army. His heart and his desire is for a people who are a city on a hill, who are a light in the darkness. And when the world sees that, then they will be transformed. And that's the problem with this seeker-sensitive church that we're in. We want to be like the world instead of being unique, being different, and making the world say, these people are different. I want what they've got because I can have all this other stuff already. I've already got this stuff. And, and, and so that's the gospel. That's the beauty of Christianity. It is exclusive. It is different. There is nothing else in the world that is like Christianity. Nothing. Muhammad did not die for my sins, right? And he certainly didn't rise again for my sins. Neither did Joseph Smith. And they force their stuff on people too. Like the, yeah, uh, they force it on people. And uh, I don't think Jesus forces Himself no. on nobody. <laughs> like, no, you yeah. discourage people from following. Them. <laughs> yes, don't come yes. on me if you're not. If yeah. you don't count the cost. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so the last thing we'll just kind of wrap it up is uh, turn to James chapter one again. When you do overcome, rejoice. Right? Every time we have victory, we need to rejoice in the Lord. Lord, thank you for delivering me from that. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for giving me the power to overcome. Because again, it's His power, right? That, that He gives us. And in James 1 verse 12, it says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for, when, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And you'll see in context that right after that, it goes in the scriptures that we read originally about when someone's tempted, you know, don't say that it's of God and stuff like that. So it's in context with overcoming temptation. He says, when you overcome, when you persevere under trial, blessed are you. And... Uh, I'm not going to read them there, but like if you guys go to um, Revelation, the book of Revelations in chapter 2 and, and 3, if you'll read about all the churches, the seven churches that were written to in the book of Revelation, go to the very last part of the book, of, of that, the verses where he's talking to those scriptures. And he says, blessed are you. He says, if you overcome, I will give you this. I will let you eat from the tree of life, you know. He says all these things, you know. And that's the thing, you know, over and over in the books, in the book of Revelation, the churches that, that John sent the letters to, I think there was only one church that John didn't say anything bad about, right? Mm -hmm. Most all those churches, he says, you're doing good here, you're doing good here, but you know what? I got this problem with you. You're, you're, you're following Jezebel or, you know, you're, you're doing all these other bad things or you're, you're, you're lukewarm, you're not hot or you're cold. I wish you were one or the other and stuff. But at the end of all those letters to those churches, he says, if you overcome, I will give you this. I will bless you and stuff. And I mean, that's, it's, I, I just urge you guys to read those things and stuff and read the things because God sees our trials. He sees our struggles and his heart is blessed when we overcome. It's not, this is not just a religious exercise that we do and it's not us trying to be just morally better people. It's us trying to please our Savior and the one who made us. And the beauty is, is 
when we do overcome sin, when we overcome temptation, God pours blessing on us. Now, it might not be in a brand new car. It might not be in a house. It might not be in anything that we want. It might not be more money or anything like that. But it's favor with God. Mm -hmm. Right? And again, we are storing those treasures in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy. And when we stand before the Lord, He's going to show us the things that we've stored up. Yes. Right? Yes. He's going to see the times when we laid down our lives, when, when we could have given in to the temptation. And that's the world. The world will tell us, you know, you should, you know, if someone does something wrong, uh, wrong against us or whatever, the world tells us, you got every right to hate that person. You got every right to be mad at them and, and you know, and all this and stuff. And, and that's the way Satan is. And, and, and that's the thing. In some senses, we do have the right because we have the choice, right? I have the choice. And if I want to make myself happy, I, you can. If you want, no, if, no matter what it is, if you want that thing bad enough, you can have it. But that's the thing. Do you want that thing or do you want Jesus? Amen. Right? And the more we, we, we receive of him, the more he fills us with his spirit. And the more we become like him, the more we want to be like him. And, and we're going to stand before him one day and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Father God, we...